Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. 20 Minute Leaders is a proud supporter of Make-A-Wish Israel and Tech2Peace and is in proud collaboration with Secret Chord Ventures, J Ventures, Riverside FM, Fusion VC, Birthright Excel, J Impact, Leap, Google for Startups, and Hippo, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Hello and welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Today we're talking to Yish Dixit, the CEO and co-founder of PowerPlay, an end-to-end construction management SaaS platform that aids in the simplification of communication and synergizing collaboration within project teams in the construction industry. In his capacity within the organization, he heads PowerPlay's corporate team, fostering both internal and external communication, implementing the company's vision, and evaluating the organization's short and long-term goals. Overall, Ish supervises the smooth functioning of all departments while overseeing the holistic development of the organization. Ish Dixit, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Michael. Thank you very much for being here, uh, talking about uh, your entrepreneurial journey and, and why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, really, this is what the show is about, trying to uncover why people do what they do and, and what is it that gets them so excited about what they're doing. Uh, today, you're the uh, CEO of PowerPlay, but you're, you're a serial entrepreneur that's evident from your background. And today you're looking at construction tech and communication, inventory, uh, and everything that has to do with uh, construction. So thank you very much for being here. Yeah, same here. Uh, really, really excited for the discussion you are going to have. Well, I think we, we can get started talking about, you know, you as a serial entrepreneur, uh, you know, yeah. it's hard enough to go through this adventure once or twice. I believe it's, it's mm. been even more times for you. What, what, yeah. what is sort of entrepreneurship for you if you had to, to think through your own personal journey? Okay, so I feel entrepreneurs are, it's like economic scientists. We are trying out different things, but in business world, it requires a lot of zero to one artistic journey, but... Soon after that, once you figure out zero to one, then you have to figure out one to 10 and then 100 to 10 to 100. So the, the journey keeps on changing. And uh, I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs who really like the first bit of things, like the early part of how things are being figured out and that research part and like digging into the problem statements and trying to figure out the best solution. But it's not just about that. I recently learned there are a lot many other things that you need to do. So uh, I would say we are like, Entrepreneurs are like economic scientists. So let, let me take you back to my journey. Uh, the, the first fundamental reason when I started up. So I, I, I'm, I'm an engineer by my education. I, I was in IIT Roorkee. It's a like renowned institute for engineering students in India. Uh, I graduated. I was a place of software dev in an early stage, fast growth startup. I left my job in a month. I did. <laughs> I searched. Wow. I just could not take the, like, accept the fact that, like, I could, I, I'm working for someone else. Maybe that is just personal to me. But then I later found out by, uh, after reading about different entrepreneurs like Max Levchin of PayPal and others that somewhere in entrepreneurs, this inherent um, mindset of not working for others and maybe doing something on their own. And then this, Unlimited curiosity about how to make things work. Uh, I think that is what entrepreneurs are about, uh, according to me. 
Incredible. Now, obviously, there's, you know, you're mentioning this uh, artistic zero to one journey yet. There's, you know, yeah. there's infinite resilience and adversity that you have to overcome. What, what, yeah. what has been your experience with that? Where, where did you find major adversity on, on your own entrepreneurial journeys leading up to now? Yeah. So <laughs> when I started into, to, so my first startup, I started in 2015. I was a very naive, a young person who wanted to start a company. I remember pitching to, I think, 63 investors and not <laughs> getting a yes. <laughs> wow. And, wow. Uh, and I remember, man, the, the 55th, I think in the 55th or 56th investor meeting, uh, I felt pathetic. I said, <laughs> man, this, this is tough. Why, why do people do this? <laughs> I, I was outside my co-founder and uh, uh, we're discussing, man, let's, let's, just, let's just ignore this. Uh, so actually the meeting did not really go well and uh, we were asked some questions that were legit questions and we did not have answers to those questions and when we went outside the meeting like once the meeting got over and we were feeling pathetic my co-founder said let's ignore all of this and that's when it that's when this hit me that no man we can't just ignore this this is some solid feedback coming our way and if we would have heard this feedback in the 12th meeting maybe we were not there for the 55th meeting right and that is when, so this is the kind of attitude which is, I, I think, like, required. It's not just about hard work. Let's not romanticize the fact that you have to work hard and, like, go to 100 pitches and all that. You can make it work in the maybe 5th or 10th pitch, right? Or maybe you can make it work without uh, doing all that, uh, making your hands bleed sort of thing, maybe. And, and I think when I started up for the second time, a lot of these learnings were with me and I think it took six months or maybe less than 10 pitches for me to raise raise uh, a, a good amount of seed money and I secured what I wanted to. So yeah, I mean, uh, it, that adversity had actually taught me to be smart, to actually think six steps down the line and take the right decisions up front. Incredible. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your most recent venture you've been Running for the last few years, construction tech yeah. power play. What, what, where did construction tech enter your life that it made you want to tackle this problem? <laughs> That's an interesting question. So I have no background in construction. <laughs> right. Um, so Michael, uh, when I failed at my last company, uh, failed in the sense I had to shut it down. A lot of learnings, but yet failed. So what I realized is entrepreneurs really need to invest a lot of time in choosing the right problem that they would want to spend a long time on, right? And having an idea about the problem, if you have personally faced the problem, that helps a lot. Because obviously perseverance is required and all that, but it helps a lot that if you understand the problem. Uh, when we started, so I particularly did not know what business I will start when I left my job in 2019 again. Uh, me and my co-founder, we sat down, we made a list of, I think, 23 ideas. Uh, all of these from our personal experiences. Uh, just before PowerPlay, we made an app which uh, went through our emails and told us all about our paid subscriptions so that you can cancel the unwanted ones, right? So personal problems that we have faced sometime in our life and it has impacted us. We noted, noted down all these problems. This problem was basically my parents' house was getting renovated. I was the in charge to get that done. Nothing happened in time. Nothing happened in budget. Uh, I was struggling on WhatsApp groups. 
my contractor was not giving me the right data that i wanted mm. to all of this happened and we kept a note of this problem and when we started so uh, the, the the idea was we were trying before this it worked friends were liking it but we did not see a big opportunity when i say big opportunity maybe can we be a 100 billion dollar company someday right and if you want to become that the market has to be big in the next 10 years we did not find that really big and that's when we came to this idea and Michael, when we started talking to users in this space, oh my God, people did not have a solution to be very like honest. People were trying their way out and trying solutions like, for example, in India specifically, if, if you, in US, the customers already have sophisticated software solutions. But in India, people just have WhatsApp and Microsoft Excel. There was no other software penetrated in the industry and people were trying their way out, trying to find some hack by using WhatsApp, pen, paper, and Excel. And I was blown away because every early customer was trying out something, trying to hire someone to make something, trying to use a solution uh, by customizing it, etc. And that was the ultimate proof that these people actually need something. And uh, we converted our first customer in just on Figma designs. There was no software. Actually, we told them, this is the product you will get. And once the person was converted, we just made that in two weeks. Wow. Okay. So, so tell me a little bit about the sort of the ideation process from understanding the the pain point to to actually creating those Figma, you know, workflows and and onboarding your first customer. What what was that internal process like for you? So, Wendy. So, there was a basic thing that we had. So, it it was our fifth or sixth idea that we were trying out. So, me and my co-founder Shubham, uh, we got experts. In our approach, uh, the the work was divided in a manner that I used to go and talk to users, and he mm. was the one who was was going to court whatever we decided, and it was a daily iteration. So what we used to do, there was a fixed format of digging into users' life. It was a five step uh, framework where we used to ask, okay, if let's say if I'm digging around, how do you manage your project? I would start by asking, what do you think is the hardest part around? managing your project on a day-to-day basis. And that would give me the top of the mind problem in user's mind, right? And mm. then I started digging not his opinions, but started asking about his experience. So I would ask, okay, so if you face this problem, uh, if you feel this is the biggest problem, tell me the last time you faced it, right? And mm. that would take me to his life and he will tell the exact instances, not putting his opinions in between, right? And that's where we started understanding, okay, this is the problem the user is facing, the customer is facing. And then making solution is like if you if you nail the right problem, making a software or a or an app for for, for people like us is not tough. So uh, that's how we uh, did the first weeks of iteration. And uh, the the biggest challenge that found in the first five customers was, frankly, in construction, uh, the back office teams don't really think that the the site workers would would actually use software. They don't have confidence on their tech savvy. Right. Right. And so what, what did you, and, and what was your impression on that, on that sort of trigger, like from the get go? Did you, were you, were you optimistic that they, that they would from a consumer behavior standpoint? So actually, um, we, we did not know <laughs> when we started, we thought we will make it work. And so when, so when we converted the first five, five customers and, uh, the implementations were going on and people were expecting that data would come and all that, we realized that. Uh, there is some friction in the side team's mind to use the product. And 
that is where the major innovation that we did in 2020 happened. So what we did is uh, we realized that the site team will never use the app if it's not solving a problem for them. Not for their company, but for them, right? And one of their major pain points was to make a daily progress report or a weekly progress report. After all they do on the site, they have to go back mm. to their home. They don't own a laptop. They ask their son or daughter to just open MS Docs and just put all these photos from WhatsApp in that talk and type some text, convert to PDF and then send that PDF <laughs> over WhatsApp or mail to their boss. We made this entire workflow in a few clicks. And that wow. is when they actually started using the product. And now the entire go-to-market is very simple. It's bottoms up. Site team starts using the app. Uh, when they are heavily engaged, our team reaches out to their back office telling them there's a product their team is already using. Why don't you use the premium? Uh, so how do, you get the, how, how do you get the, the people on site to actually discover the product and figure out you know, that they can be leveraging something new rather than what they've already been doing with pen and paper? So yeah, uh, this, there's a very interesting thing here. Uh, just a shout out to my team. Um, our Instagram followers are going to reach 1 million. Actually. And all of these people, yes. And all of these people wow. are our supervisors, project managers on the site. And if you see our content, this content is like pure site, site execution content. It's talking about bricklaying. It's talking about excavation. It's talking... So all of this is very personalized to them. Uh, that is one of the major uh, channels of awareness about the product. And obviously we do outbound reach out through uh, campaigns. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's how we do it. And uh, obviously now since we are scaling and we are scaling revenues and all that, so we, we are figuring out more channels because we want predictable pipeline to scale the hmm. revenues. But yeah, that, that's how it did in the early days. Wow, a million followers on Instagram from creating the targeted content that is relevant yeah. for your yeah. end customers. Now, I, I assume that a lot of this content is not necessarily, a, it's, it's not just about power play and, and the no. app. It's, a, it's about traditional things in their day-to-day yes. -day that, that are relevant for them. Yes, 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 absolutely. Interesting. And then you see sort of a, an, and a, you see a conversion by them uh, you know, it's somewhere down the line that they get interested enough that they check out the description, they check out the company, and then yeah. they start using the app. But but you want something yeah. that's a little bit more sales and data-driven, yeah. you know, yeah. intentional pipeline. Yeah, yeah. So we have started working on that last year, but early six months uh, was about this. In incredible. Now, as you're continuing to, to building out the product, what, what are some things that you've learned about, you know, sort of your own your own leadership style as you're building these companies and you're you're building these teams who who is yeah. sort of yeesh as a leader uh, i'm i'm a very hands off uh, person i don't i don't really micro so uh, the people that i've hired this is not their first startup uh, they have been working in startups and uh, they joined power band most of the feedback that i get from this my leadership team who has who's like at least five to 10, XT, uh, 10 years experience is that I'm really hands-off. The, the, the thing that really matters to me is the cultural and strategic alignment. So I meet my leadership every week once and that one meeting with every leadership, uh, a mem uh, every leader is, a, is around cultural and strategic alignment. So I, my job is to think the next six months, 12 months, 
but actually on ground execution is done by those folks so they come up with the next one month or next three month challenges and the problems that they want to solve and i obviously i love solving problems so i discuss with them and i help them around but this six month or 12 month alignment is brought by me so when the direction is pretty clear and tools and supplies are provided to your team and they are internally motivated i think people can do wonders we as humans do what we really want to do uh, and if you hire the right person they will just do and there is alignment they will just do what you had to do in the first mm-hmm. place so that's 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 my style yaar i i i try to enable people give them what they need and just get out of their way and so if you're looking at you know what's been most successful for you in determining what's mm-hmm. been you know most meaningful and and getting you the right feedback on your products is it mm-hmm. more active feedback or passive feedback in that i guess passive feedback is more you know feedback that you collect yourself that based <laughs> on usage rather than active feedback is when you you know outreach yourself to the customers to get it okay so in the early days it was more of an active uh, where we reached out to people um sort of thing but as we scaled to more than 10 15 20 customers what we did is uh on the face we put an option to reach out to the ceo so there was a whatsapp a reach out section where you can just talk to me <laughs> and when we scaled from 20 to i, I remember 5000 customers 5000 users i was the one juggling in, in those messages then i hired someone but but yeah I means once once we reached at a particular scale a lot of users found that space to talk to the founders really relevant in giving us feedback yeah, i think users came up with different ideas you can also do think about this our approach was obviously to understand what the problem is why are they saying such things why do they want this etc etc but that made it really really transparent uh users really felt the rate of innovation was pretty high with us and uh they they really loved the speed by which we were bringing on the solving their problems and bringing all the features on the platform incredible if you're thinking through the vision long term vision of powerplay yeah. what, yeah. what what do you hope that this becomes i usually compare this to see in consumer tech things have really evolved right when iphones and smartphones came out in 2007 8 uh consumers like there were very less people who were using iPhones or smartphones but the time they spent on these platforms were tremendously high it was in hours right mm-hmm. something similar is happening for businesses so if you look at my power users they spend more than an hour on the product every day right and since we are vertical saas what we envisage is that one day a construction business will do most of its work through the platform that we have built we sort of will become an operating system software operating system for their workflows right now mm. we are just for project execution right we we will go pre construction we will book, go post construction we will get into finance we will get into procurement but this can only and only happen when the product is sticky so mm. when you are a default os when people spend time on your platform and that is the reason uh, we call ourselves a slack for construction that because the use case that we chose was communication it happens hourly there is a possibility to develop stickiness in such a pl- product 
So we started with communication use case, which is from sites to office. All of that communication is basically done by WhatsApp. And now we will go in deep, deeper in the workflows that are less frequent, but more important. And we would want to cover all the workflows in the industry. And then uh, not just SaaS, we would want to make money by enabling third-party suppliers, third-party software providers, etc. on the platform. Incredible. Well, uh, it's a grand vision. And uh, Ish, thank you very much for for sharing it with me and for sharing, you know, a little bit about your your passion and excitement for the entrepreneurial world as a whole. Uh, that, uh, that, that excitement is contagious at the least. So thank you very, very much. I wish you best of luck with PowerPlay and uh, thank you I, for the time. Thanks for your time, Michael, as well. A lovely talking to you. Thank you very, very much. 